0: The question I want to ask you tonight doesn't have anything to do with what I was talking about today, although I'm glad you paid attention today. What's that? Is it about Kevin? No, it's not about Kevin. Here's a question I have for you. What, what is an encounter? What does that mean? When you what? into a, You encounter a wild Pokemon. Okay, when you come, huh, like a meeting, okay, anybody got any other definition so far? We've got when you come into contact with something, when you have a meeting, when you run into wild Pokemon, when you have a meeting, okay, we're going to go with the meeting, okay, yeah, an encounter, when we say that word to say that I encountered somebody or encountered something, are you still, are you ready again? We're good, okay, when you encounter or somebody or something, it's, a lot of times an encounter, the way we refer to that, it's its kind of an unex, unexpected meeting. I, I know, you had, it was right on the tip of your tongue, wasn't it? Hey, no. See, hey, spe- when I ask a question, speak up, man. Get it out there. We've decided that an encounter is when you meet somebody, or maybe something, or a wild Pokemon. It's one of those three things. I, like you encountered... The light post that you walked into when you weren't paying attention. I don't know. It can be anything like that. An encounter is a meeting that you have most of the time. It's not one that you expected. For you to encounter somebody, that means you just kind of bumped into them. You just kind of ran into them. Here's a, here, here's what I want to ask you, and this is totally random. If you could encounter or have a surprise meeting with anybody in the world, who would it be? And no, and no hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's take God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit off the table. I want to know. Zach Ephron, really? Okay, let me rephrase this. I want it to be somebody that is currently living. Justin Timberlake, Zach Ephron. Ephron. How do you say that? Ephron? I know who he is. High school musical. I know who Zach Ephron is. I just don't really keep up with him. Justin has his hand up, so Justin gets to talk. Brantley Gilbert, Brantley Gilbert okay. I don't think it's Bubba Watson, Bubble Watson okay. What's that? Tobias. 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 Who's Tobias? I don't know who Tobias is. Oh, okay. Hold on. No, I said somebody living. You, okay, okay. See, that, that, I, I, that I get. That I get. You went fictional on me for a second there. I didn't know what you're talking about. Peyton Manning. Why, Justin? What is wrong with you? He is the man. Yes. <laughs> he said One Direction. Did you hear that? That's what Samantha's thinking. She's just not going to say it out loud. All right, one more. Hank Williams Jr. Okay. Aloe Black. He is the man. Tell everybody he's the man. Okay. So it is clear to me, it is clear to me that you all have considered the idea that if you could just bump into somebody, you got a good idea of who you would bump into. Now, of course it would be me, but see, you've already met me, so that doesn't work. Now, let me ask you this question, and hey, hey, I need you, I need y'all not to go crazy and start talking all over each other on this one. Have you ever encountered somebody that you thought was just weird? There's one right there in the back row. <laughs> okay, so we're pointing at each other. I see it. No, somebody somebody, give me an example of somebody you encountered that was just weird. That's okay. So does Jack. It's okay. All right, hold on, hold on. Hold on. Hey, guys, y'all are talking over each other. Jacob, what's that? I don't know who that is. Okay, so he's weird. Lindsay? All right, all right, okay, no, I know who you're talking about, all right, he thought he was a mermaid and he was a crossdresser, okay, all right, now, hey guys, <laughs> I'm sorry, that was just weird, you're going to meet people, hey, in your life, you're going to encounter people, Sometimes the people you encounter, maybe they're famous. Maybe they're people that you want to meet. Sometimes the people you encounter, you encounter people every single day all over the place, and they make absolutely no impact on your life whatsoever. They don't stand out. You just, hey, bumped into that person, life kept going. But there's other people that you encounter, and when you encounter them, you don't soon forget them because maybe they're weird. Maybe they've got some stuff going on like, Mermaids coming from cross-dresser or that is a cross-dresser or they can have superpowers or some weird stuff. The reason I asked that question tonight, guys, is because over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be talking about encounters. And the person we're going to be looking at is Jesus. Kind of both answers were right there, so I'll give you that one. But specifically, Jesus. And if you read through the New Testament, you see that Jesus over and over and over again, encountered people. Or better yet, a better way to put it is that people encountered Jesus. And every time somebody encountered Jesus, I mean really came face to face with him and had their attention, something happened. They were changed in some way. At least in some small part, their life was different because they encountered Jesus. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at some of these encounters that Jesus had with people over the next couple weeks, and we're going to see what happened in their life, and the things that we can learn from that for our life. So what we're doing tonight, where we're going, is going to be in Mark chapter 5. Open up your Bibles. Open up your apps. Change over to Mark chapter 5, and we're going to start in verse 1. Everybody ready? You there? Good? Good? All right, here we go. Mark chapter 5, verse 1. We're just going to jump right into it, and then we'll kind of break it down as we go. In verse 1, it says, They came to the other side of the sea, the country of the Gerasenes. Now, let me let me let me give you an idea of what's going on right here. It's this is talking about Jesus and the disciples. They're in a boat. What has just happened before this verse is the is the account that you've probably heard before of how Jesus is on the boat and this sun, this big storm comes up and the disciples are freaking out. They're, hey, we're gonna die! Somebody go get Jesus! And Jesus is sleeping up in the front up in the bow of the boat. And they go and wake him up, say, "Jesus, we're going to die, we're going to die." And he says, "Hey, y'all, why are you freaking out?" And he just calms the storm by speaking. That's what's gone on just before this. So, so a kind of a big ordeal has happened right before we get to this verse, and it says they've gone through this, the storm is calmed, and the ship has landed in this in this area of the the country of the Gerasenes is what they call it. And then it picks up in verse two. It says, "And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat." Immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. Now this is this is you talk about the weird people, the mermaid that cross dresses and all that. We're about to get to some weird stuff. We're getting to some weird stuff right here. It says in verse three, he lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart and he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains. He was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. It's just got kind of weird. Yeah, that sounds exactly like Brandon. He runs around howling and cutting himself. That's exactly Brandon. Look, look at what's going on here, guys. Let's, let's break this down and talk about what's happening right here. For starters... I don't know about you guys. I don't know anybody that lives in a cemetery. We need to talk about your friends. No, I said lives in a cemetery. Not their body is there. I mean alive. And we're not, we don't have any zombies. The guy on go. Let's go back. We're still talking about real people. Okay. Get out of the fictional world for a few minutes. This is real life. Okay. I know the fictional world is awesome, and we can learn things from the fictional world, but it doesn't really help you in everyday life when we're talking right now about a real book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, this man lives in a graveyard. Now, just so you have an understanding, when we think of a graveyard, we think of the headstones and maybe the mausoleums where they actually bury the bodies above ground, which I think is kind of weird, but they do that anyway, or cremation. But during this time, when they talk about a graveyard or a cemetery, oh, the way they did bodies is a lot of those graves, they were actually caves. And they would bury people in caves, or they would find areas of lime rock, and they would carve out these places where they could put bodies. They weren't buried all in the ground like we think of it now. So for somebody to live in a graveyard, they would actually have shelter. They would actually have the ability to get into these caves or into these carved-out areas and, and be okay. They could get away from the storms or whatever it was and, and be fine. But that's what this guy's doing. He's living out here in this graveyard. And the other thing to know is during this time it was a popular belief that demons existed, which, by the way, they do. They still do. But during this time the belief was that demons like to hang out in graveyards. So their assumption was, okay, this guy, he's crazy. He's living in the graveyard. He's howling. He's cutting himself. He's probably got a demon. In fact, that's exactly what Scripture told us right there. It says, uh, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. And not only that, but it gets a little bit weirder. It says that nobody can chain him with shackles or chains. It says they've tried to do that in the past. Somebody made a joke about meeting a superhuman person or something earlier. This guy can break chains. He's got the strength that nobody can bind him anymore. This, there's some strange stuff going on with this guy and as we continue to read here we see that there there's some uh, there's there's a good reason for this I mean how many of y'all know somebody that runs around just yelling and cutting themselves really no don't <laughs> okay yes running around yelling I could see that part but the cutting that's a little bit different issue that's a little bit different issue but that's hey hey that's That's what's going on here, and it tells us right there, when Jesus steps out of the boat, you've got this lunatic that's running around this cemetery, and it says when he steps out of the boat that he comes running to Jesus. And what this man doesn't know is that he is about to encounter Jesus Christ, and his life is about to change. He is about to come face to face with God in the flesh, and his life is going to be different. And as we see what happens here with this man, I want to propose to you guys that there's some things that we need to understand about our own encounters that we have with Christ. Whether you've had one or whether you've not had one and what your life looks like since that time. So let's keep reading in scripture. We're going to go down to Mark chapter 5 verse 6. It says, and when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him. So he, he saw Jesus coming. He saw the boat coming to him. Because it tells us immediately when Jesus stepped out, this man comes running to him. So he already knew what was going on. It says, in crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. So before Jesus has ever spoken directly to this man face to face, this man has already come to him, fallen down on his knees and said, Jesus, Son of God. Why are you messing with me? And we find out here at the end of this verse, it says, for he was saying to him, Jesus was saying to this lunatic, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. You see, as soon as he sees Jesus, he takes off running, not because he's excited to see him. In fact, we find out he's actually afraid of Jesus because he asked him, he said, don't torment me. Jesus Christ, son of God, I know who you are. Don't torment me. Because when Jesus steps out of that boat, Jesus is already saying, unclean spirit, come out of this man. You see, the interesting thing right here is that when Jesus gets out of the boat, this guy comes running to Jesus because he already knew who Jesus was. Now, whether he knew it or the demons that lived in him knew it, somebody in that region knew who Jesus was. And that's important for us, guys, because when you meet Jesus – When you have an encounter with Jesus, you know you've met Jesus. See, this man, these demons that lived inside of him, they were scared of who Jesus was. Because Jesus is God. And he has the power to do something about these spirits that are living in this man. And these demons recognized that before there was ever any conversation between he and Jesus. They do talk. We're going to see that in a minute. But before they ever have that conversation, those demons already recognize the power of God in Jesus Christ. When you come face to face with Jesus Christ, when you have an encounter with him in your life, you know it. Now, you may run from it. You may hide from it. But you know when God has talked to you. You know when you've been in his presence. And my question for you is, have you had that time in your life? For some people, for some of you, you you ask Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sins. And you're trying to live a life that honors him. And there's times where maybe you're standing in here or in the service on Sunday or you go to camp and you hear the music and you're just into it and you just know, you know that God is there. You can feel it. You feel it outside. You feel it inside. And you know that he is there. See, when we meet Jesus, we know it. This man knew it. And that's why he comes running to him. That's why he falls on his knees, and he calls him by name, and he calls him by title. But he's not doing it because he's worshiping Jesus. He's doing it because even demons end up on their knees before God. Scripture tells us that one day every knee shall bow. That's not just humans. That is every knee in creation because that is who God is. He is the Lord over all creation. So we see this man come running, this man with the demons in him, and they recognize who Jesus is as the son of the most high God, and then they fall on their knees. We have that same opportunity. If we know we've met Jesus, we have the opportunity to fall on our knees before him, to worship him, to recognize him as God. Now, that doesn't mean you're necessarily going to be here on a Wednesday night, and as soon as Kevin starts playing and Samantha starts singing, you just go. That doesn't mean that. But it could. Somebody may look at you and say, well, that's kind of weird. So what? If you're worshiping God, if you're on your knees before him, who cares what everybody else thinks? Because it's not about them. It's about you and God. You know when you meet Jesus face to face, just like this guy did. Then it goes on. There's something else we can see here. (laughs) When you encounter Jesus, he already knows you. That's what happened with this guy. Before Jesus ever had a conversation with him, as he's stepping out of the boat and this man comes running and falls on his knees, Jesus, before he ever talks to this man, he's saying, unclean spirit, come out of this man. Jesus already knew what was going on in this man's life. He knew that these demons, these things that possessed him, this guy didn't come up and say, hey, oh, Jesus, I've got a demon in me. And that phone... He didn't say that. Jesus already knew. He knew what was going on in the man's life. And he was ready to do something about it. Guys, God knows what's going on in your life. God knows the things that you're struggling with. God knows the things that draw your attention away from him. The things that you think nobody else knows anything about the things that you don't want anybody else to ever find out about, God already knows. Because when you encounter him, he is the one that created you. He knows your thoughts. Scripture tells us he knows the number of hairs on your head. He knows you, and he knows what's going on in your life. You know, Sometimes we get this idea that, okay, if, I, if I'm if i going to come to church, if I'm going to worship, then I've, I've got to clean myself up a little bit. And and we kinda see this on Sunday morning sometimes in churches all over this world. People will, will take, you know, their best clothes and get we really saw it last week on Easter. You get on these nice new clothes and you dress up and, and you make yourself look really good and you come and, and you smile and you shake hands and, and you sing and you open your Bible, you might take notes, and you do all those right things and you clean yourself up before you come to church. And yet inside we're not clean. Now, we've got everybody fooled except for God because God already knows. And God doesn't ask us, hey, I want you to clean yourself up, and then I want you to come be a part of what I'm doing. No, God says, hey, I know what's going on in your life. Come on. Bring it with you. We'll take care of it here. You see, I don't don't know where you guys are tonight. I don't know how you're doing in your walk with God. I don't know if you have a walk with God. You may tell me you do. I don't know if you really do. That's between you and God. But I can tell you right now, God knows where you are. God knows what's going on in your life, and he wants you to come to him despite what's happening. He wants you to come to him and do like this guy and fall down on your knees and call him Jesus, son of the most high, and recognize the power that he can have in your life. So when you encounter Jesus, he already knows you, just like he knew what was going on with this man. And what happens next? This is where it's a little weird. In verse 8, it says, and Jesus asked him, what is your name? He replied, my name is Legion, for we are many. Okay. When one person looks at you and says, we, there's something going on there. Yes. That is in Ghostwriter Rider 2. You're right. You're right, it's also in Legion. Yes, uh, guys, some of the things you see in the media, they're from Scripture. Now, they may take it and twist it and do all kinds of weird things with it, but it's there. And he says right here, he says right here, he replied, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him, saying, Send us to the pigs, let us enter them Jesus asked this guy what's your name and Jesus knows he's talking to this unclean spirit this demon and and it's not one demon it's demons it says we are legion now just so you have a context in the Roman military system a legion was approximately 6,000 soldiers now that does not mean there were 6,000 demons in this man that does not mean that but it gives us an idea that there was more than one demon here. There was a number of demons living in this man. Yes. I don't know. But he could have. What's that? I am Legion. I don't know. He could have talked like that. What? No, I have not seen Legion. I try I try not to watch some of those weirder movies. Yes, Sarah. Great question. (laughs) Scripture tells us that God and Satan, God and Satan don't inhabit the same space. Hey, no, that's a good question. God and Satan, they don't inhabit the same space. Okay? They can't. If you are saved, hey, if you have been forgiven, if you are saved, if you belong to God, you belong to God forever. No, you can't be in you can't be possessed because that's telling that's that's saying that Satan can come and overpower God and we know that's not the case because God created Satan. Okay? No, it's a good question. You know no, it's a good question. Sarah Sarah Hey. That's just too much caffeine during the day. I don't know about that. No, hey guys. Sarah, that's a good question. I've had people ask that question before, but listen to me. Listen to me. I've never had anybody brave enough to ask it in a group, so thank you. Did you have a question? Yes. Okay. know how there's between, where Mm-hmm. because it's really freaky when you mess with little girls cuz they're happy li- I I don't know. I don't hey, that's a great question. I don't know. Now, yeah, scripture hey, th- this is this is not this is not necessarily found in scripture, but one of the things you may hear talked about sometime is called the age of accountability. That means at some point you are mentally able to understand that you are a sinner, that, that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins. When you are able to understand that, then we, we call that the age of accountability. That means you are now responsible for that knowledge. What do you do with that? Now, we don't necessarily know what that age is. Scripture doesn't tell us. And the age of accountability, that's not really in Scripture either. That's just something we've kind of come up with. What's that? It, it, it can vary. How, how old was Nathan? He was five years old. When he was, yes. That was, that was at three. He actually, I forget, what did, what, what did he say? He yeah, we told him to do something. He looks at us and says, we don't want to. What? I looked at Kathleen and I said, we got a problem here. <laughs> and there's been times I have thought he was possessed, but that's a whole different story. Yeah, we sent him to the basement that night. But hey, hey guys, when Nathan was five years old, five years old. Five years old, he asked Jesus to forgive him of his sins. Five years old. Me, I was 14 before I ever got around to that. Now, I grew up in church, and I kind of understood what it meant, but I didn't really grasp it until I was older. My son, he got it at five, and I mean, he he could tell you at five what it meant. He knew it. So it's different. Yes, it does vary. People who have mental handicaps can vary for them as well. It varies for everybody. We don't know what that age is or what that time is. All we know is that once you are able to understand it, now you're responsible for it. Make sense? All right, let's get back to the demons. Legion. I know, it's cool stuff. We got Legion. And Legion, it says the demon, what he does is he asks Jesus if they can be sent into a herd of pigs that are nearby. Now, understand something. When it talks about in this verse... It says, um, where is it? It says, he begged them earnestly not to send them out of the country. It says, send us to the pigs and let us enter them. Now, when you read other accounts of this in Scripture, for instance, in the book of Luke, Luke 8, verse 31, it says that the demons asked not to be sent into the abyss. Now, the abyss, if you go through and you read all of Scripture, you find out that the abyss is referenced in Revelation. The abyss is kind of like the, the the holding cell, the confinement for these demons before God's final judgment. So basically what these demons are saying is, Jesus, don't send us away. Let us do something different. Let us stay here. And they see a herd of pigs and say, that's the answer. Let us go into the pigs. I don't know why. It's kind of weird. And <laughs> but. But Jesus looks at him and says, you know what, gang, legion, demon-possessed man, you got it. You want to go into the pigs? Run into the pigs. And it goes on here in verse 13, it says, So he gave them permission, and the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs, and the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the sea. I guess so. We could make that, we could call that an educated guess, yes. It doesn't specifically say. It doesn't necessarily mean that because, hey, just because there's 2,000, by that logic we would say it should have been 2,000 men. So we don't know. It could have been 2,000, it could have been 6,000, it could have been 5. We don't know. And they just directed them all. I don't know. It doesn't tell us. Scripture doesn't tell us. Hey, again, if you follow what happens here, it tells us that they go from the man into the pigs. So it stands to reason that they could go from the pigs somewhere else. Now they're in a bunch of fish. Yes, they're in piranhas. I don't know. Scripture doesn't tell us that. But it could happen. But it goes on here. It says, and they drowned in the sea. In verse 14, verse 14, the herdsmen fled and told it in the city and in the country. And people came to see what it was that had happened. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had had the legion, sitting there, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Now catch what just happened here. This guy has been running around in the tombs, yelling, cutting himself. We presumed he he might have been naked because it says now he's clothed. A little weirder. And when they see this, hold on. Now they're afraid. Wait, 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 wait. Did you catch that? All of this was going on and it says now they're afraid. Now that this guy's acting different, now that he's acting normal, now that he's acting what we would call sane, they're scared. And it goes on. It says, they were afraid, and those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs. And they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. These people are scared. See, this man has had an encounter with Jesus, and something has happened, and now these people are frightened. Now, let's, let's just camp out here for a second. 2,000 pig carcasses floating in water. Just last week, just last week, I was in my barn out at our house, and I smelled something that was awful. So I started looking around, and I found a dead squirrel. Guys, I was about 15 feet away from this squirrel when I smelled it. No. It had, had like, worms and flies, and it was nasty. One squirrel had that smell. This is 2,000 animals. Imagine the stench that Jesus has just caused right here by letting this happen. These be, Yeah, a little bit of Febreze. Looking good. Come on in, man. You, Hey, you are officially the best dressed guy in here. I'm giving you that one. But hey, 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 2,000 animals have just died. It may not have happened immediately, but there's going to be a stink pretty soon. It's going to smell pretty bad in fact the the herdsmen they're not happy about what happens here it says that they run back into town and they tell everybody and when they go tell everybody everybody comes out and they sees what have happened and they ask Jesus to leave I said hey hey you you got to get out of here you've taken this guy we we expected we expected certain things out of this guy and you've changed him hey They've got a problem with Jesus and what Jesus has done. And you you need to understand this. When you encounter Jesus, hey, come on. When you encounter Jesus, there's going to be people in your life that don't like what happens. There's going to be people in your life that if you come face-to-face with Jesus and you have a change in your life, there are going to be other people who don't like it. Gang, they've just witnessed a miracle. They have seen Jesus cast demons out of this man. They have seen those pigs die that had the demons in them. And this man is normal now. He's clothed. He's sane. He's in his right mind. They've seen a miracle. And they're not happy about it. Because it scares them. You see, there's going to be people in your life that if you encounter Jesus Christ and you are changed because of it, there's going to be people in your life that aren't necessarily going to be excited for you. Maybe maybe you have a moment where you realize the life you're living is not a life that honors God, and you decide to make some changes. And maybe you stop going to the parties on the weekends, or at least the parties you shouldn't be at. Or maybe you stop using some of the language that you're using on a regular basis. Or maybe you stop doing some of the things that you've been doing in relationships. And there's going to be people in your life that don't like that. They want you to be the way you were. They want things to be the normal that they have expected of you so far. But you see, when you encounter Jesus, when you come face to face with him, just like this man, he will change you. He will do something in your life. Now, you can try to ignore it. You can try and run away from it. But at that point, you have the knowledge of it, and you're responsible for it. That's what happens with this man. He encounters Jesus, and he's changed, and that change made people around him uncomfortable because they had grown accustomed to this man running around, living in tombs, cutting himself, yelling, and breaking out of chains, and who knows what else. That's just what it tells us in Scripture. They were used to that. They were used to that guy being weird, and all of a sudden, he's not weird anymore, and they don't know what to do. They're scared of him. Guys, there's going to be people in your life that when you make changes, when Christ changes you, they're not going to know what to do with you anymore. They're not going to know how to talk to you. They're not going to know how to relate to you. And they're going to look at you and say, hey, I, I want you like you were. But when Jesus changes us, we're not supposed to go back. We're not supposed to. We're not, this guy wasn't supposed to jump up, rip off his clothes, run back into the tomb and start cutting himself and yelling again. No, he was different. He was not the same man. Scripture tells us that when we meet Christ, we are a new creation. We are new. We are different. And that's going to scare people. But that's okay. Because now you have the opportunity to tell people about the person that changed you. And the difference that it has made in your life. In fact, if you keep reading here, we see something. It says in verse 18, As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. He's asking Jesus, let me come with you. Let me get on this boat with you and your disciples. And he did not permit him, but said to him, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him and everyone Marveled. Now, there's there's two things going on here that I want to make sure we don't miss. The first one is this. If you have an encounter with Jesus Christ, your encounter with him should make you want to follow him. That's what happens with this guy. He's been changed. He's met Jesus face to face. Jesus has done a miracle in his life, and now he wants to go with Jesus. Jesus, let let me come with you. Let me get in the boat. I want to learn from you. I want to know who you are. I want to be with you. I want to follow you. When we encounter Christ, when Christ works in our life, when we are forgiven of our sins, it should make us want to follow him. How do we do that? How do we follow Christ? Question and answer time. Spreading his word. Okay. Getting baptized. baptized. Yeah. First act of obedience. Scripture tells us to obey God's commandments. That's how Scripture says that we show our love for him as we obey his commands. First thing we see after becoming a Christian is baptism. So, yes, you get baptized. You proclaim to everyone around you what God has done on the inside of you. How else do we do that? How do we follow him? Oh, man, I sure hope you all have answers for this one. How do you follow Christ? Yeah, you read the Bible. Y'all knew that one, right? You just weren't saying it. Okay. You read the Bible. You open up your Bible and you read it, whether it's your book whether it's your phone – and I just want to tell you guys, hey, the apps are great, but there's something about opening a Bible and being able to mark in it and write questions and write notes. I challenge you, at least once a week, if you're reading on your own, open a physical Bible just to get that experience, just to do it because it's completely different than opening it up on your phone or whatever else you use. But yeah, you open your Bible. You spend time around people who have walked with God longer than you have. You have a mentor. You have someone disciple you. There's all kinds of different ways that we follow God, that we walk with Jesus Christ. But if we've encountered him, if he's made a difference in our life, we should have a desire to follow him. Now, Jesus does something that that we don't quite, I don't quite understand why he did it. I mean, I see why he did it. But my first thought is, okay, this man wants to follow Jesus. Jesus should let him come, but that's not what Jesus does. Jesus looks at him and says, nope, I want you to stay right here. I want you to go back to your family. I want you to go back to your friends, and what I want you to do is to tell them what I have done here. it Jesus, he could have stayed there. He could have done more miracles. He could have shown a lot more people his power and who he was, but he doesn't do that. He gets in a boat, and he leaves, and he tells this man, you're going to stay here. You're going to talk to people. You're going to tell people about who I am. And so when you encounter Jesus, and this is the part that scares us, we have a responsibility to tell others about it. That's where I think a lot of us stop. That's where we shut down. we got no problem with Christ making us different. we got, we got no problem with following him. But when you ask me to actually walk up to someone and tell them about Jesus, nope, I'm good. We'll stop right there. See, that's that's what he tells this man. He says, I want you to go back and I want you to talk to your family and talk to your friends. And it says in verse 20, and he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone marveled. So now, so you have an understanding of what is happening there. The Decapolis, this is an area that that was made up of ten Greek cities. So most of the people in these areas, they're not Christians. They don't know Christ. They've probably never heard of Jesus Christ. And this guy has the opportunity to take his experience with Christ and go tell people who've never heard the name of Jesus Christ. And it says they marveled. We'd like to think they believed And the word of Christ spread, and more people became Christians. It doesn't tell us that specifically, but that's what we hope. You see, there's going to be times, guys, when God tells you, hey, you've had a great time at camp. You've had an amazing time on this mission trip, and you've told people here, people out away from where you live, about who Christ is. But what I want you to do now is I want you to go home, and I want you to tell people. I want you to be active about it where you live Your friends, your family, the people that you go to school with, the people that you work with, the people that you play ball with, the people that you see every single day. I want you to take what has changed in your life, and I want you to live it out and tell them. That's where we get scared. That's where we say, okay, Jesus, thank you. I really appreciate what you've done for me, but I can't talk to them. Remember, they know me. They know that crazy lunatic I was before today. They know the things I've done. They were with me at that party last weekend. They know. And Jesus says, I don't care. I've changed you. I want you to take that message so that they can be changed too. So my question for you tonight, and there's a couple of them. Number one is this. Have you encountered Jesus? And I don't mean you've just shown up at church and thought, hey, that was a good service. Good sermon, Pastor. Good job. No, I mean, have you come face to face with Jesus Christ? Has there been a time in your life where he has changed you? Where you have asked him to forgive you of your sins? Because if there hasn't been, I pray that there will be tonight. I pray it will happen tomorrow. I pray that it will happen sooner than later. Because you have no idea what it is to live a life that follows God. To know that he loves you that he protects you, that he provides for you. That is what God wants for every single one of us in this room tonight, to encounter his son, Jesus Christ, and to know that we belong to him beyond a shadow of a doubt, that demons and Jesus cannot possess the same space, to know that that is never even a question anymore because you belong to Christ. Have you encountered him tonight in that way? My second question is this. If you have, are you following him? That's what this man wanted to do. He wanted to follow Christ. Are you following Christ? Are you reading your Bible? Are you opening it? Are you spending time with people who have walked with God longer than you have? Are you learning how to live a life that honors God with your words, with your decisions, with your actions, with your thoughts, with the media that you allow into your life? All of these different things. Are you following God? And if you say, yes, I am. And I want to encourage you, keep doing it. If you say, no, I haven't really been doing that very well, start tonight. It's never too late to start. Who cares what everybody thinks about who you've been? What matters is who God is making you. What matters is the person that God has designed you to be, not the person that we've kind of messed up in the past. And my last question for you is who are you telling Who are you telling about your relationship with Christ? And guys, this goes for me too. This goes for all of our adults in here as well, our leaders, everyone in this room. We have a responsibility and a privilege to tell people who Christ is, to tell them what he's done in our life. And I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you. And I'm taking the same challenge. We have an entire week before we meet in here again on a Wednesday night. I want to challenge you to share Christ with one person this week. Just one. If we did that, if every one of us actually did that, there's about 25, 30 of us in this room. That's 25 to 30 people who get to hear about Jesus Christ is, who he is, this week. And I know you're thinking, yeah, thanks, Pastor Jesse, but no, I'm not doing that. You don't have to, but I challenge you to try it. Don't worry if you don't know all the verses. Don't worry if you don't know all the references. Just share Christ. Share what he's done in your life. Share who he is from the time that you've spent in Bible class or Sunday school or church or all the time that you've been around scripture. Because I think a lot of you, you've grown up in church, if you haven't been at North Florida Christian for a long time. Share Christ with somebody this week. I dare you and see what happens. Give them the opportunity to have an encounter with Christ the way I pray every one of you has had an encounter with Christ. Let's pray. God, God, we thank you for your word that we can look at it. God, we thank you that that we can learn from it. And thank you for, for all of the examples, all of the I won't call them stories, God, because they're not the the true accounts of how your son, Jesus Christ, encountered people and how he changed lives. And God, I pray that you will help each one of us enter tonight, God. I pray that you will help us to follow you. And God, I pray that you will help us to have the courage this week, to have the courage to share who you are with somebody else. God, to give just one person the chance to encounter you the way that we have. God, I pray that you will give us the courage. It's in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.